Welcome to the EDM podcast. If you're new, this is a podcast where we interview producers, artists, engineers, or anyone in the industry who we think that having on would benefit you. If you have been a long-time listener of the podcast, I know it has been a long time since there has been a previous episode. The last one was 153 with RAC, which Connor did. But we are back on it as of this week. And you may be wondering, especially if you're listening to the audio-only version of this podcast, who is this voice? I've never heard this voice. It doesn't sound like Sam or Connor. And that's because it's not. Uh, My name is Aiden Russell. I am uh, the content manager and product manager here at EDM Prod and help run things with Sam. And I also produce under the name Artsy. And I am your new host of the EDM Podcast, and I'm super stoked to be here. We've got some really, really cool interviews lined up. Like many of you, I've been a longtime listener of the podcast myself. I remember listening to episode one with Sam back in the day. So much like all of you guys, I am uh, a big fan of this podcast, and it's really, really a privilege to be on the other end finally after all these years. Now, as always, if you're looking to up your production skills, head to edmprod.com slash courses where we've got our whole range of courses that cover beginner production, songwriting, mixing, sound design, and drum programming. We've had over 9,000 producers enroll and all of our courses are action-based so that you actually learn by doing and not just learning a bunch of concepts. So head to edmprod.com slash courses if you want to learn more. But to kick us off with this relaunch, so to speak, we are bringing Brad, aka Tazoki, back onto the podcast. Now, if you're once again a long-time listener, we've actually had Tazoki on the podcast before for episode 92. That was three years ago. So time has definitely flown. And in this episode, we catch up with him and see how things have changed for him in the last three years and also how COVID has impacted his career. Now, as of this podcast episode coming out, his new album has just dropped, so it's a really exciting time. If you want to check that one out, check his socials out in the show notes below. But at the time of recording this episode, however, he's just released two singles, Hold On Me and Sensitive with Charity Vance, and we discuss Sensitive a bit in the podcast itself, which he has some really cool insights into. We dive into a bunch of production concepts and we talk about the difference between using samples and sound designing things from scratch and why he does both. I'm a big fan of this topic and I think there's a lot of value in what he has to say. We also dive into other topics like the dangers of chasing success and how he experienced that early on and what he's done as a result and focused his energy on differently so he doesn't get caught up in um, always chasing the next thing and constantly feeling like you're never going to match up to the next person who's above you. So let's dive in without further ado to episode 154 of the EDM podcast with Tazoki. All right, we are back. Welcome everyone to the EDM podcast. Today, I am joined by Brad, also known as Tazoki. How's it going, man? Good, man. Good. I'm I'm chilling. I'm big chilling. <laughs> good to hear, man. Good. And it, and obviously, uh, for those of uh, you out there who have been listening to the show for a long time, uh, Brad, aka Tazoki, has been on before. Uh, episode <laughs> ninety two, it was. Uh, so Jeez. it was a while ago, three years, I think. Man, it's flown by. I used to be a listener of this podcast, so I remember uh, back to that interview. Man, it's crazy. Yeah, um, it's wild. Yeah, man. Uh, dude, one thing I have to say is for a British man, you have got a very convincing Australian accent. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> are you Australian? Like, I know you're not, but... <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is where it comes from, right? Um, yeah. My, my fiancé is American, so... I think right. over the, the course of the four years or so that we've been kind of living together, yeah. the, the mixture of like her strong American accent and my previous British accent, the yeah. mixture of that, I think does sound Australian. But I, yeah, you, you're not the first person to say that. A lot of, a lot of people ask me if I'm Australian. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to like, when I was doing some like research, I was like, I swear he hasn't like lived in Australia or anything like that. And I was like, because I listened back to the last one. I'm like, man, that's a convincing Australian accent. Shit. Oh, man. Anyway, that'd be dope. dope. I I was in Australia for like a couple of months in 
2016, but yeah, I've never, never lived there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Amazing, man. Um, yeah, so, so like I mentioned, you've been, you've been on three years ago uh, and obviously since then, which I think was July 2018, um, <laughs> a lot has happened uh, in your career and with your music and, and obviously outside of that with, I'm sure, COVID impacting a lot of artists and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I guess when you look back on like your, the more recent history, because normally we do a bit of a background at this stage and obviously you've done that in the last episode. And for those of you listening who want to go back and check that episode first to grab a bit more of the background, feel free to go do that. But yeah, man, like what's been happening the last little bit for you? Um, it's mostly just, I mean, with, with COVID and stuff, um, you know, 2018, 2019 was like, absolutely insane like Mm. touring wise i mean i think 2019 was like my my busiest year um between like shit i mean i did like a japan tour i did a china tour i did a european tour i did ade in europe in amsterdam uh, amsterdam dance event i did australia and new zealand tour Mm. i did full-on north america tour with canada as well and uh, like festivals as well, like Coachella and all this other, all this other stuff. I think, uh, yeah, going into 2020, um, I had a kind of like my first hard ticket North American headline tour that was yeah. just solely like me. And I, yeah, when when the pandemic hit, it was like, I don't know, it felt it felt kind of like I haven't had a chance to prove my worth yet. I think, I think with, you know, all the festivals and stuff, people can very easily come, come to a stage and, and check you out. And, and in Asia and stuff, it's, it's completely mm. different. But in America, I, I kind of felt like I didn't have a chance to, I know, prove myself and, and, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely blessed and thankful for the opportunities that, that happened in 2019. But yeah, man, like midway through, what was it like March or something when, it was literally halfway through my tour. It started in February and I think it was ending, you know, sometime in April or May even. And, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was just, it was just tough because a lot of those shows that were coming up was like my first time playing in a lot of these places to, you know, again, just to prove myself. So yeah, yeah. Going into 2020, you know, when everything stopped and everything got canceled and closed down, it definitely, and definitely kind of knocked me for six, I guess is the, the right phrase, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, ever, ever since that, just, you know, trying to, I guess, build up more confidence in, in shows again. And, and yeah, as America is reopening slowly, but surely, um, touch wood. Mm. Uh, yeah, just, just been working on music. Honestly, that's kind of the only, the only thing that I could really turn to, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was just kind of, I mean, uh, same for everyone else, you know, it's, it's not just a me problem. Um, I, I feel like everyone felt that same kind of way of, of just not feeling, mm. not, not, not feeling good enough, but not feeling like they, they were able to reach their full potential, I guess. But yeah. yeah. And I guess it's impacted everyone still like all, a lot of artists, but at the same time, everyone feels it individually differently too. Like whether, you know, whether it's yourself having like a full tour booked or, just even yeah. the ability to play shows at all or however it's it has been a crazy time for a lot of people um are you still are you in america at the moment or are you back in the uk yeah so uh i'm still in america um yep. i have i have been this entire time um i mean i'm i'm obviously here on a visa yeah um which which throws up a, a whole new can of worms of issues um sure are uh yeah, my, my visa expired right after the pandemic started and then I had to file for an extension, which means you can't... So the way that extension works is um, you're, you can't leave the country without getting a stamp to come back into America. Yep. Um, so because of COVID and all the, all the embassies outside of America were closed, I couldn't... I mean, I could leave, but I couldn't get back in. And, you know, uh, I got a house here, I got a car here, I got my girl here, I got the dogs here, you know. I'm, I'm not really, like, willing to take that risk. And then, yeah, we just had totally. to keep doing that. And, yeah, as of, I think it was, like, last week, 
I was scheduled to go back uh, next month and the embassy is still closed. So <laughs> I'm still oh, I'm hurts, stuck man. in America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, but, not, yeah. it's not fun, is it? Oh, yeah. man. Um, it's interesting you were mentioning before about how, you know, the last, I guess, two years prior to COVID hitting, you were kind of feeling like you were in that stage of, I guess, proving yourself and, and kind of building up that, that fan base. And then obviously it was kind of anticlimactic with, with COVID and all that happening. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in my eyes, and I'm sure in a lot of um, your fans' eyes, like you, you like are well and truly like a successful artist and, and like, you know, all that kind of thing, have your own fan base, etc. Yeah. I think you mentioned this, something similar in like a UKF interview. Is that because, you know, you, you'd kind of gone through this phase of like thinking you had made it and then you kind of got complacent? I think we may have talked this about, about this in the last interview or not. I uh, can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's so long ago. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, success is a very weird thing. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, a constantly evolving cycle per se. I mean, sure. You know, and, and everyone, I mean, as I've gotten older, you know, I mean, 10 years ago, if I was to look at my life now, 10 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I'm fucking hot shit. Like I'm unstoppable. Blah, blah, blah. But I think, I think maturing and, you know, it, experiencing the rest of the world and, and other people and, you know, different cultures and things like that. I think, I think success is just kind of like a, a pipe dream and i think mm. i think fulfillment is more of an important thing than success you know i mean yeah there's there is always going to be someone who does better than you makes more money than you lives a better life than you has a bigger house nicer car blah 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 blah, blah. on and on and on like with with fucking everything like you, yeah. you go to a restaurant and you order a meal and the person next to you's meal is probably better than yours you know that, yeah. that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you can't feel fulfilled in you know your own your own food but yeah i don't know like without rambling too much i think i think complacency is is a very dangerous thing because you you never realize what else you can achieve with that and i think i think if you're looking around and you go yeah i've made it like blah, 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 blah. It's, it's 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 so dangerous because it's it's it stops that want for more you know it stops that that yearning for for the next thing whether that whether you class that as success or if that's just, you know, a bigger, a bigger collaboration or something. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, anyone can say anyone's successful and don't get me wrong. I appreciate the compliment so much, but it's just kind of like, just kind of doesn't register in my head because I know that, you know, for however many more people are less successful than me, there's a thousand million more people who are more successful right so, yeah i guess that's that's kind of my view on it but yeah com- complacency and getting too comfortable is definitely like so fucking dangerous in any sure. aspect of life totally yeah, I'd, I'd i'd hard agree on that one and like i think when you i mean it's kind of like the grass is always greener right like yeah. there's always as you mentioned earlier there's always something that you can like improve on or do better at and it's like you think that you're going to have this objective level of like how you measure your success your whole life and and then you realize as you get more of it it changes and you're always aiming higher and yeah it can kind of never stop hey <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's a lethal cycle bro so it's, it's it's deadly and people people who chase it all the time are just it's, it's just not healthy at all yeah it, it's a it is a bit of a trap for sure man um yeah. in with that being said though because i think this is an interesting topic um someone who is starting to i guess you know get that moderate level of success and they're, they're starting to get a few big releases maybe starting to play some bigger shows i mean obviously at the moment's a bit different with the landscape but um what would you say to someone who's kind of doing that so they like can one maintain their career and kind of have a sustaining thing going on, but at the same time, not get trapped into this kind of, you know, endless cycle of improving and, and always looking to, to the next step and, and kind of getting caught in that vicious trap. You know, I, I think, I can't remember who said it, but some, a few years ago, someone told me a, a quote that was like, uh, don't let perfect ruin good enough. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I think with with the new kids coming up now, I don't know. Let's let's say the 
like hypothetically the kid's like 18 he's he's playing a few big or he or she is playing a few big mm. a big festivals big shows blah, blah, whatever i think i think it's just so vital to work on not not what is happening right now because you know by the time you've already kind of processed it and, and taken it in it's it's already been and gone yeah i think i think uh just working on longevity and and a big part of that is you know surrounding yourself with as as <laughs> fucking cheesy cliche american as it sounds just <laughs> sur- surrounding yourself you know with with good like-minded people um, yeah obviously not to create an echo chamber where it's like a, a some kind of cult but like yeah yeah just 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 something where you know you, you're surrounded by by great people who've got their heads screwed on have have the same kind of goals don't don't get caught up in all this like party lifestyle time yeah. wasting bullshit like i think as as long as a new artist can you know focus on that and and i sound like a dad when i say this but try stay out of trouble and you know just yeah. just be honest and genuine and if if you don't want to do something then don't do it if if you don't like something then just say that you don't fucking like it like mm. i think i think life is too short to to especially in the music industry i mean like the you know the the average time span of someone's career is like seven years yeah uh in the spotlight you know there's time and time again has proven that but you've got people like i know in the bass world like kill the noise and and you know other people like that and in other worlds like carl cox and and yeah and people like that who have been around for decades and and it it's just kind of a testament to their ability to to have that longevity of of you know being humble staying true to yourself always kind of choosing the right things to do and not do and and just ultimately not being surrounded by yes men and, and people who, mm. who wouldn't give a shit about you if you weren't in the position that you are so i think i think just to, uh, the kind of bottom line of it is just to stay you know stay humble stay grounded you know don't forget kind of where you came from um uh like i still talk to my friends back home awesome. it, you know yeah. it, w- it, w- it wouldn't matter if i if i earned a billion dollars or you know anything like you, you've just got to stay grounded and, and not lose sight of where you came from because ultimately the the the, the buzz and the attention and, and all this kind of shit that's around you right now one day is going to disappear mm. and you just want to keep that uh longevity and you know the good relations with people around you for for longer than that so mm. yeah just just totally. don't be a, don't be a dickhead yeah <laughs> I think it, yeah, it's it's a it's under it's kind of almost like worn worn true that advice, but it's it is true. Like it it everyone hears it, but no, not everyone kind of takes it to heart a lot of the time. I think because it's like oh, it's easy to get you know once to get caught up in in what you're doing at the time. And it was actually really funny about like kind of staying true and don't do stuff you don't like. Uh, we yeah. had I don't think it'll be out yet, but we had um Umek on the podcast who's like a techno guy. I'm not sure if you're aware, but um he's mm-hmm. been around for like. 25 plus years now and he like was he's making techno for a lot of like his career and then he like kind of had this interest in tech house and kind of switched his sound a bit and he actually said he lost fans when he kind of chased this kind of um and he wasn't necessarily just doing it for money he said it was more of a curiosity thing for him but he actually said he lost fans by kind of going down that path and not sticking true to what he wanted to do um and it's kind of funny you think oh these people like you know sell out by doing things they don't want to do just for the money it's like it doesn't necessarily always always actually yeah. end up being a beneficial thing um even though you might think it will you know i think uh, yeah that's that's the scary thing as well as it's like i mean it also just depends on your fan base like it's and th- that's mm. i think that's that's this is a lot of things that like managers agents pr labels and a lot of artists don't understand it's like people people will always try and like people who are working above you or you know want to like not to shit on my managers but like there's 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 times where it's like we should do this for the fan base or we should do that for the fan Mm. base and it's like every single fan base is is just essentially it's just a group of people right yeah whether it's 10 people or 10,000 or a million people and everyone, everyone's views are going to be slightly different. So it's like one thing could work for, for others. 
another thing could be disastrously wrong for other people. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of, I think that kind of holds true in the perception of how you came up, you know, with, mm. with, with who you were just mentioning. I mean, 20 years is a fucking long time to be doing techno. Mm. And obviously a lot of his audience is going to be a lot older and a lot, a lot more mature and, and, you know, have families and stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's very easy for them to switch and change. But when, when, back to kind of like the previous question, when, when you're a young kid and, you know, you're coming up and you have people the same age as you listening to your music, you've got to really just branch out and grow while everyone is still open to that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I think, um, yeah, you're right. Like, and, and this is something I remember you mentioned in your last interview is that like having like a, you, like, especially when you're small, I feel like it's fine to kind of try out different styles and you genres. Got to. Yeah, you have yeah. to, bro. You have to. Yeah, because you don't have an existing fan base to kind of disappoint yet. I mean, to put it the put yeah. it hard, like harshly, like <laughs> can't it, disappoint yeah. anyone if you haven't got any fans. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'd 100% recommend that as well. Um, and obviously, this is something you've managed to do um, ongoing as well. Like um, one yeah. thing we'll talk about is your latest tune, Sensitive. Um, uh, we'll talk about that a bit later in the episode, but like that's a very kind of like still sounds like you, but it's kind of its own take. Um, yeah. Is like the variety of sounds something you're still actively pursuing at the moment? I think so. Um, I mean, obviously I kind of had my, my come up uh, mainly in like dubstep, you know, yeah. heavy, heavy fucking bass music. Um, but I think, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before and somewhere else and I, the, the weirdest thing is is whenever I, I mean i've only released i think it's like three eps majority of the rest has been singles but like yeah on the three eps right for for the fourth track i always always tried to do something like different um mm. with with a i self-released an ep uh i think it was like 20 fuck it was like 2016 bro so so long ago <laughs> um but the fourth track was like a future garage song right it was kind of yeah completely left field on that ep that song performed the best and then i released like yeah and then i released an ep of never say die um and same thing last track was like i guess you could compare it to like jack you kind of like more poppy more vocal like less kind of and on never say die that song performed the best and it's just like wow and then i was i was sitting here i was like yo like you know a lot of my work and a lot of my career is is also you know, producing for other people in, in the yeah. co-writing space and ghost production space, whatever. But I was like, fuck, man. Like, why don't I just, like, take a completely, like, left turn and, and, and make something just different? And I think that's kind of, you know, that uh, with Sensitive and I guess, you know, the rest of the album, um, that's kind of where that whole vibe came from. You know, there's there, there is some heavy songs. There is a lot more kind of, focus on vocals and things like that but yeah yeah it's just i don't know man i i and i always i always made a point to do that kind of you know what we were saying before i always made a point to kind of just test the waters not to not to just switch everything 180 and be like yo i'm a fucking i don't know like a hip-hop producer now but like yeah you know, just dangle my dangle my feet in 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 the other genres and it's always been really fucking well received so i yeah yeah, that's why that's why I just took a stab at it. I was like, fuck it. Like life's too short again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think um and yeah, like it seems to have worked well, right? It seems to have worked well for you. And I think it's also yeah. it also keeps keeps things fun, uh, from yeah. from a production perspective perspective. I mean I mean some people prefer to do that under a different alias, some people just do it all under the one. I think both approaches are fine, but um, yeah. yeah, man, I think that that keeps it fun. And uh, the different styles, I guess, maybe you've experienced this too, kind of influence each other. Like you get a new idea for a dubstep track when you try making that future garage track or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's probably a good segue into the more production side of things. I've got some uh, juicy questions, some of them from our like listeners and stuff like that uh, who are keen to kind of dive into the more um, technical side of things. Um we kind of talked about sound design a bit on the last podcast with Sam, I think. But um, one thing I want to ask is kind of like, I, I saw this great tweet you said the other day, which was uh, stop shaming producers for using samples. Um, 
I love this. I love this, by the way. I think um, I love this topic of like sampling versus synthesis and yeah, yeah. And I, I guess, yeah, like what's been going on in, in your production space regarding that? Like, are you using samples, synthesis, a combination of both? And yeah, how do you kind of work with them? Uh, so, I mean, I've, you know, I've always used a mix of both. Yeah. Um, I think in the early days it was to like, to like make your mark in the early days, you had to be able to recreate these like crazy like dubstep signs, right? It was, yeah. it was like no one... If you use one sample in, in like 2015 in any song, it'd be like, oh, fuck, this guy used a sample. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But re- recently, I, I think I think I've just been kind of forgetting about the 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 social aspect of it because it's mm. like I like I mentioned on that tweet, it's very like it's very shameful, bro. Like, obviously, it's it's a different story if you know if you're making a song and it's just like all loops and there's like no ripping it completely it. from someone else kind of thing yeah yeah i mean that's you know that that is an issue at that point um but i think if you you know you use things in a clever way i mean you know a lot of a lot of music came up on sampling like the hip-hop yeah. stuff and everything like that like that's, that's that's the that's the groundwork of essentially computer music like electronic music so yeah and i would be a fucking absolute prick if i sat here and said oh you're using samples when like a lot of my money is made on selling samples you know yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i th- you know for myself personally um just a mixture of both i i feel like i've gotten to a point in sound design over the last 10 years where if i want to make a sound i kind of know how to mm. just kind of from scratch just intuition um but if I if I go through a great sample pack and, and find the sign that I really like and resonate with, pardon the pun, but resonate with um, <laughs> already, then I'm going to use the fucking sample and I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to mess I'm going to mess around with it. I might you know affect it a bit more and tweak it. But if it sounds good, I'm just going to fucking keep it. Like, <laughs> totally. And, and I so think that's, like that's my view. Yeah, I think um, one thing I didn't realize about sampling as well is that like. Once you start doing it, it kind of opens you up to the whole world of like audio processing and like resampling and stuff like that, which yeah. is such a valuable tool set. Because like, I mean, I used to kind of, when I first got into music, like just use Massive and and just kind of try and make really crap sounds in it. And they were crap. And I didn't really ever get into the whole like audio side of things because I was had that mindset of like, oh, I can't use samples. And then finally, eventually ditched that mindset. But yeah. yeah, there's a whole whole tool set of warping and stretching and and, oh, yeah. and post processing that you can access by kind of starting in that world. So, I mean, is that a big part of your sound? Is like the post processing side of things? Yeah, especially like you mentioned with with more so like audio manipulation. I'm I'm such a I'm such a visual learner. Yeah. Um. I think you know if if, if you were to explain something to me on the phone and and told me to do it i wouldn't i wouldn't fucking do it yeah but, you know you, sh- you show me how to do it and i i'll, I'll do it in a second and i think mm. you know even just like imagining you're staring at you know ableton or whatever and you got this really cool sound but it's it's all in massive or it's all in fma or whatever mm. the mid the midi clip is just a line yeah you know <laughs> You, you might have some like automation going on and stuff. I don't know if you use Ableton, but yeah, yeah, you know, I do, yeah. or FL or whatever, but you know, you might have some automation going over the singular line, but yeah. when you bounce it to audio, I mean, I'm looking at this uh, podcast being recorded right now and I can see all the fluctuations in my voice and yeah. the, the pops and cracks. And it's like, it's so much more engaging. So yeah, for, for any kind of sound design, I'll, like for the past like few years, I've always just started bouncing into audio, just because yep. it's so much. It's so much more fun. It's, it's visual. You can you can hear it. You can see what you're doing, and especially with Ableton, man, like that. Like manipulating audio in Ableton is just next fucking level. So mm. yeah, yeah, it's definitely my kind of vibe on it. Yeah, is there like any particular like fun things you've been playing around with in that realm in the studio lately? I, I've been uh so at the start of the pandemic, I. I bought uh, fuck, what was it called? It, it was like a granular synth, uh, portal. I think it was. Oh, output. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I made some like crazy shit with that for like two months, and then I didn't touch it again. Yeah. Um, but no, like recently, um, 
I've, I've been taking a lot of like, it's, it's so, so basic. And I think ultimately the, the best stuff in music production is the basic stuff. But yeah, I've been taking a lot of cues from like these deconstructed, like rap videos on YouTube where right. they'll, they'll have like a guitar or, or a piano or something and they just reverse it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you and me, it's like, it's fucking simple. Yeah. But sonically, how, you know, if, if you've got like a, a layout of like, say, I don't know, like a re-space, you've got uh, some keys, you've got like a, a pad of some sort, and then you've got like a guitar layer, even just reversing that guitar and obviously chopping the individual notes. So it's still in, in notation, Yeah, but just reversing it just, it just sounds like, so anyway, I digress with, with things like that and, and vocals and things like that. I've just been like, just focusing on just fucking with the audio and distorting yeah. it and, and, uh, for for sidechain as well, I use a volume shaper, which I oh, think yeah. is now called Shaperbox. I think yeah, Shaperbox. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have that for like the kick and the snare. But then what I've been doing is because everything is is bust through a group to run into to volume shaper. Mm. I'll go into that that bust group and put a utility on it, and then just before like the um the snare hits, I'll just dock all of the audio. For like a millisecond. Uh, yeah. So like a pre-side chain. And it's so weird. But like just little things like that I've just been like fucking with lately. It's it's, it's like a sucking effect makes, into the into the kick or snare, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not like it's not like Eric Prid's volume, but like Yeah. <laughs> it's it you know what it, it reminds me of? And I was I was speaking to a friend about this the other day. It reminds me a lot of about like if you were to balance everything separately and put it on like an NPC and you you miss like your your finger drumming out and you miss a pad by like a millisecond but it yeah. sounds like kind of kind of there's, there's a cool groove to it so yeah that's yeah that's what i've been fucking with lately it's like when the sample kind of like restarts at a quieter volume or whatever and then you kind of miss yeah. the snare by a little bit and then yeah it kind of that oh, immediate duck it's a cool effect i like it i like it yeah it, it makes it feel a lot more human i think yeah which is important I mean, I think with all the door technology at the moment, it's cool that we're able to kind of bring that element back into it yeah. in uh, in other different ways. 100%. That's, that's cool, man. I wanted to ask you um, also about like, is there any kind of cool like layering techniques? And before, before you answer, I, ca- I guess people just kind of chuck layering out there as it's like, oh, this is a thing you need to do in order to make your sounds good. And it's like, well you have to actually kind of know what you're doing with your layers. So like when you approach, like say, I don't know, putting a second layer to a base, whether it's like some noise or whatever it is, like do you kind of have any like ways that you go about that, that work really well in your music or anything like that? I think, uh, you know, it's honestly with any kind of layering, it comes down to like two things, right? It's it's, Mm. one is EQ. Yep. And the second is is sample selection or, or sound design, whatever whatever kind of. But for a lot of layering, it's a lot of samples because you know you layer like foley noises or or the you know a different pad sound. So uh, yeah, for me personally, I think um, within the you know the realm of EQ, a lot of people try and get it so perfect. Like they'll they'll cut one thing at like. 300 hertz and then the thing yeah. laying on top of it is like starts at 300 hertz right uh yeah so which is great it sounds cool but like if you if you if you uh have like a lower sound and you want to cut it at 300 hertz just a shitty example mm. and you're layering something on top of it cut that thing on top of it at 600 and then you got yeah. like 300 hertz to in the middle just to play with yeah right so so i think the best course of action, obviously, like back to sample selection as well, is find find sounds that just naturally work well together. If if they don't sound sure. good on top of each other with no EQ or anything, and you have to carve everything out to make it sound somewhat good, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Um. So I think yeah, sample selection or sound selection, I guess, is the better term. F- yeah. Figure that out. But don't don't. My 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 only real advice is just don't be too like programmed with it don't be too like computer centric with it i think yeah just fucking just fucking just randomly cut the eq and and you know just make it messy and just give it more human because at the end of the day you can 
you can find samples that fit beautifully together with, like I said, with, with no uh, processing. But yeah, with with just a bit of humanity within like the compression and EQ, it's going to sound even even better rather yeah. than just like like a computer made it. So totally. that's kind of all I have to say on layering. I mean, it's it ultimately just comes down to the sounds you choose, you know, because no no amount of post processing is going to sound is going to make a shit sound sound good yeah totally and it's like eq imperfect eq i like that term imperfect yeah. eq yeah it's like you don't have to exactly precisely line the crossovers or the dips and the you don't have to boost one and then duck the other on the other layer like just what sounds good together <laughs> yeah man yeah i spent i spent too long trying to make everything meticulously perfect and the second i just kind of you know stopped trying to please 50 year old audio engineers <laughs> just made my life so much better and it, it actually leads to a lot more creativity you know hearing the imperfections you get a lot more inspired by by something you're working on rather than just just perfection it's just boring like it's mm. just so boring <laughs> at yeah. least to me i know i know i know everyone's different i'm not trying i'm not trying to shit on anyone else but just no, for no. me at least i just yeah the imperfections make it so much better totally i, I think that's like um you know that's why we're st we producers have started like layering like foley or kind of like leaving some weird kind of reverb tales or adding them you know everyone's been kind of jumping on like all those analog plugins lately i feel like that's kind of been more of a thing recently yeah um, absolutely because everyone kind of wants that sound and i think i think it's cool to kind of yeah not have everything on the grid or i mean whether that's that way or just noise in the signal or whatever it is like yeah, it's yeah. always good to do. Um, speaking of like boring, one thing, well, not boring. I'm talking about the opposite of boring now. One thing you've been doing is like um, I've noticed in your tracks, you've been kind of having what I would describe as like shorter arrangements and shorter structures. Um, is that like a deliberate decision? And like one thing you manage to do, at least to my ears, is like you're keeping things interesting kind of the whole time. So do you kind of want to uh, share a bit how you go about that and yeah, what the motive is behind that? Uh, yeah, it's funny you should mention that because like up until now, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I, I submitted a remix the other day for someone and, and it was like two minutes and eight seconds long and I was like, wait a minute. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, coming from the... the playing like dubstep shows and shit it's very much just like build up drop build up drop build up drop and it's just yeah. like mate it's just fucking boring like to to be like brutally candid with you and mm. you know I just, I just get so fucking bored of just the same shit all the time yeah and that might mean i'm jaded that might mean i'm getting old but you know uh but yeah like so i think within my own music especially like these you know the newer things that i've been doing where they're, they're more vocal driven and, and things like that i yeah i would much rather just have a shorter song with more switch ups and interesting changes in it yeah uh than a longer song that that repeats itself and don't get me wrong i'll copy and paste shit all the time like I'm, yeah i'm yeah. not trying to front on not doing that but yeah yeah but for like little intricacies and little things like that yeah i and Another thing as well is like a lot of pop music and a lot of popular music, I think it's just the listener's attention span. You know, no one really listens to a, a CD. You don't put in a CD and a CD player or for heaven forbid, a cassette. <laughs> uh, really showing my fucking age. But you, you, don't, you don't put in like a CD and listen to it from front to back anymore. You know, that's just not something that humans have evolved to do because everything is like fast food. So yeah. I, think, I think the attention span as well is... I'd much rather make a fucking really good song and do as much like variation and, and changes within uh, under a three minute span yeah. than try and like put on this whole front of like, listen to it from start to finish, like flow with the vibe, like blah, blah, blah. And it's right. like an eight minute fucking long song. Um, Fair. So yeah, that's, that's kind of just my take on it. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Just the way that the music industry in a whole is going, it's a lot more fast paced, and and my my ADHD brain as well is just very like, well, what do we go? What do we do next? What's next? Blah, 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 blah. So, totally. Yeah, yeah. 
that's a lot interesting. Of people doing it as well. <laughs> yeah, I think it's def like it is definitely a trend that's been happening probably even the, like the last ten years now. Like, but yeah. specifically, like I think streaming has changed that. Like, it's it's uh you know I was listening to this like I think it was like an indie pop playlist the other day, and I and I was with my wife in the car and and she was like these songs are all like two minutes long. And she'd never really realized it, like, because I guess you know, um, like, I grew up kind of late ninety, like I'm like I'm twenty four, uh, so I was born in ninety seven, and like I kind of grew up. I guess music, pop music, was about that three and a half minutes, four minutes kind of long. Yeah. And now it's kind of like two to three minutes, um, and wow. if you're making like lo-fi hip hop, it's like one and a half minutes, but uh, <laughs> or like less than a minute sometimes. But uh, yeah, yeah, like. It's just kind of like she she obviously isn't in the music world and like she kind of had that realization, oh, like music is now this this short, but she hadn't actively noticed that. It's just kind of something that, yeah, as as a music consuming society, I guess, it's just like we've adapted to listening to shorter songs and whether that's playlisting or whatever to, to blame or... Which <laughs> is wild. It's yeah. wild. It's very interesting, man. That is very cool, though. Um, I'm going to switch it up a bit. Yeah, so you're signed to Monster Cat, um, and obviously the majority of your tunes are coming out on Monster Cat at the moment. Um, but, I mean, in the past, you've kind of released on a lot of different labels. Um, it's something I do as well. Like I'm a drum and bass producer, but I guess is that something that's intentional or is it just you get hit up by a lot of people? And how do you balance like all of that kind of process <laughs> um i think you know i think it comes down to my like career span i think i mean mm. i've you know i've been doing this for I mean, it's coming up on like 10 years now which wow. is yeah it's wild um but a lot of these are uh, a lot of the labels that i work with and have worked with in the past um because of because of the time span, you know, and, and knowing the people at at said labels and stuff, it's just we we all kind of came up together. There was not really like, mm. you know, I I remember when a, a few of these labels were were in their infancies, and yeah, you know, I was I was already speaking to the people who worked there. So I think I think like finding finding a label and and choosing a, a an outlet per se uh, has a lot more to do with with you know, how they envisage the project. And I think that's why I change and, and chop and change so much. You know, I've never, I think I've only signed like one exclusive label deal that, yeah. that lasted a, a set term, you know, without getting too much into the legal side of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, one, one, one set label deal that, that was a, was a term, you know, my team and the labels team uh, discussed how we wanted the project to be portrayed. And I think, Changing labels uh, so much is is kind of important in this day and age because labels' whole motive and their whole reason for even existing is just so different to how it was when I started out. Yeah, because you know you've got guys like I'll never say die, right? You got like Zomboy, Tramper, uh, Schism. Obviously, he owns it, but yeah, th they've all come up together. Sure. And, you know, it was in Josh Zomboy's career's infancy and it was in Never Say Die's start where, you know, they all rose together, Every everything came out together. But because of a lot of these labels that have been around for so long, I think it's completely changed the, the like, the way that, uh, you know, well, it, it has. It's changed the way the labels work. So mm. my my kind of, my viewpoint on it is, you know, I'm, I'm, if I stop working with a label, it's not because there's any bad blood or anything. Like I'm, I'm close friends with, with a lot of these people from all the different labels I've worked with. I still stay in contact. I still stay up to date on the labels, uh, yeah. releases, you know, like, um, I just look at it for my career in a sense of like, I want to create a moment, right? Yeah. Whether, whether it be around an EP or two EPs or, or an album or, or a single, at least I want to create a moment and I'll, I'll come up with, you know, with my, my team and discuss all the things we want to do, whether it's like music videos or, or cool social activations or shows or anything like that. And then 
we just we just go to like the people that we know and trust at all these labels and just see who resonates with them the most you know we awesome yeah. and it's i think that's the the best way to go about it now as an artist coming up is you, you i think i think signing exclusive to a label at this point would be wouldn't be bad but it it would it wouldn't be good at the same time you know unless there's mm. there's a there's a label out there like i don't know like bitbird who do a lot of like the more chill stuff or like yeah um slander and nightmares label all the kids who are signed to that and fucking good vibrations is gonna is gonna blow up and all these yeah. kids are gonna blow up that's, that's fucking sick but yeah yeah it's just it's definitely just creating a moment and finding who can kind of does that sound too rude who can facilitate that yeah i guess totally um no, yeah, no i think no that's blood. yeah that's that's a very good point i think um yeah i guess the traditional label model is kind of like you have a deal and then you and you stay with them forever but yeah we don't really live in that in that world anymore it's more like like there's a lot of opportunities out there with labels and whatnot um which is cool i think it's i think it gives artists a lot of opportunity to re- not only release music in the first place but also potentially put out a greater diverse range of music maybe too um I mean, I don't know if this is something you specifically did, but like you might have a, like kind of this style might fit this label a little better. Is that something you kind of did when you were coming up or is it just kind of whoever takes this will have it sort of thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, a bit of both really. I mean, obviously you've got to find where you can't put a song that's a completely different style out on, on a different label. Or you, yeah. you can, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it really depends, but I think, yeah, for me personally, it was, it was, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to never be in a position where, um, I was kind of stumped. Like I, I had everyone say no. So I've, yeah. I've never like, and you know, don't get me wrong. I'm so thankful and, and lucky for that. Um, so that's never really been like on the forefront of my mind, but it's more like, um, if it, if it fits the general vibe of the label, I mean, for example, with monster cat and like, sensitive and you know the album coming out soon enough it's like monster cat moving in a more you know a more uh more mature direction you know monster cat have been known for for music that was you know very prevalent in in video games and and, yeah you know that but they've they just put out a a vindata project which is some fucking top tier stuff you know Mm. there's there's uh, a few other a few other projects on there which are you know very a lot more mature. And I don't say in a derogatory way, but just the music, it's you know it's a lot more mature. So I think yeah. that's kind of how we we chose Monster Cat, and you know I'm I'm friends with the guys and girls over there. So awesome. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a bit of both. Um, but you just got you just got to make the right choice. I think at the yeah. end of the day. Do you think like you had your music quality already at a good point when you started sending out to these labels? I think so. And I yeah. think, I, I also think being in the infancy of the labels, you know, you, especially yeah. in London with, with the never say die guys. I mean, and, uh, how could I forget? Like the, the Bible people, you know, uh, Borgor. Yeah. Like love him or hate him. The, the dude is one of the kindest, most caring, genuine souls in, in the music industry. And I, I will, awesome. I will fully, yeah. I will fully say that. And he, he, you know, he gave me, I will always say he, he, he gave me my big break. You know, he, he believed in me. We, we did a collab um, and it, it fucking blew up. Cause yeah. this was like back in his like massive, like superstardom. He just done a song with like Miley Cyrus and shit, you know? So yeah. 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 I think, uh, yeah. Being around the, the people before they even started working at the label, you know, you've already formed that connection. Yes. Um, and then something, it, you, it works out and it's like, Oh, things, things, for some reason in the music industry, things just click Mm. and you can never anticipate it and you can never force it to happen. But sometimes things just, you know, things just click. hundred percent. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, One last question on the, on this topic of like labels and releasing and stuff. What are Mm. your thoughts on like, I guess there's a whole trend of people who are now kind of opting to cut the label out of the equation altogether and opting for the self-releasing path. Something I've done and, and kind of am doing less of these days. And I know a lot of other producers out there are definitely experimenting with this. What are your thoughts on it? And like, 
yeah, what should should producers be doing that, especially when they're new? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fucking dope. I mean, I've yeah. self-released in the yeah. past before, and and I think it's extremely important because you ultimately have all the power. Yeah, you know you and I think a I think a label is is really good when you want to do things that you are in a, unable to do yourself um, okay whether it be playlisting or you know obviously you're not going to have a direct contact to spotify but if if a label can provide that then you you work around that so sure but yeah so self-releasing i mean i i self-released a song uh 2018 right it was it was called depression and anger yeah. um just this stupid fucking dubstep song right i I had a hundred percent writing and royalties and everything on it. And, and I yeah. just put it up and the, you know, the, the amount of money that I made on that was able to sustain me living in LA for like four or five months when I first came to America. That's awesome. So it's like, if, if smaller artists can do that and, you know, keep all that power to them and, you know, they're obviously really good at production and, and, uh, network, I hate that phrase, but like, you know, connect, connect with other people around them to like bring their own music up and they can keep all that, uh, all the royalties and all the power to themselves. And yeah, I think that's, that's the way that a lot of it is going. I think when it's on a, hmm. on a, on a much bigger scale and, and a more commercialized, uh, scale is when kind of labels, uh, are good to step in. But until yeah. that point, self-releasing is, is literally the way to go I'd, I'd be self-releasing right now if, if i had it my way totally yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also great between like you know label releases can sometimes be few and far between especially when you're like newer so i think like self-releasing yeah. can very easily fill that gap um and yeah as you said you keep 100 percent of the stuff a lot of the time unless you're working with other people of course but yeah it's a i think it's a very valuable tool that a lot of producers can use as well yeah absolutely Awesome, man. Well, let's switch things up. I want to talk about your latest track. Uh, so that's Sensitive yeah. with Charity Vance. Man, I really love like the unique kind of like, yeah, like swung garage, like uh, like almost early dubstep, I want to call it, like in terms yeah. of the drum style, um, like the, the cleanness of it as well, like very well mixed um yeah man do you want to do you want to dive into the that and how you came about that idea and how it came to be a song yeah so we uh i was i was in uh la in a studio just trying to like finish up things for for the album and uh you know charity the vocalist um mm. she's a good friend of mine um we've worked on stuff before and uh i was kind of just stuck on on what to make and what to do so uh yeah I, I said to her i was like come through you know bring any bring any demos that you have or anything that you know you want to work on and uh yeah she she bought she bought the vocal uh with her and uh yeah it sounded sounded fucking great so and it was it was completely different right like the, yeah. the whole the whole song was it was more like a happy kind of pop song um, yeah. but yeah, so she, she came through with that and then, yeah, I just, I just fell in love with it and it worked so well. Um, and I, I, I think I finished it within, uh, within like two days afterwards. It was just wow. so natural and yeah, man, it, it just, I think it was because the, you know, the, as, again, as cheesy as it sounds like the emotion and, and the idea for the record was already there. Yeah. I was just able to take that and run with it. Um, sure and i just resonated with it so fast and yeah it was it was honestly one of like the probably the song on the album that i finished the fastest which is which is wild to think about but it yeah just, it just fucking it just clicked bro it just yeah so it so came good. together over those two days pretty much yeah not not e- not even like she 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 came through we tried recording uh or re-recording like this this old demo that we had hmm. um which didn't really fit the vibe of the album. Yeah. Um, and then I tried working on, on this more poppier version. I have, I have a version of sensitive. That's like a fucking pop song, which is <laughs> crazy. Um, and then she left and I, I just kind of marinated in my own thoughts about it. And I was just in the studio alone. I was like, Yo, I'm, I'm gonna make this like 
hella emo and like sad and yeah within yeah within like a day or two it was just done it's just wow wild. yeah that's interesting so you basically it was basically like a pop song originally and then you kind of made it more like something your style i guess or yeah i guess i guess to fit to fit with the album as well there was yeah obviously it was a demo it wasn't yeah. like she had completely finished the song and i just stole it from her yeah yeah a completely different vibe to like the original which is it's really funny to listen back to the original because right? it's not the same <laughs> yeah yeah it happens sometimes where songs just go through versions that are like wildly different but uh it's yeah, part of the 100%. process right that's cool, man. I love those kind of like pitchy synths that you kind of have like, I don't know, it's like pitch, it's like pitch automation on them. Uh, I, I guess you would yeah. des- describe, I, I would describe it as. Um, and yeah, you definitely keep the, I guess, drop, even though it's a more chill song, quite interesting throughout. Is there any particular like ways you think you did that? I mean, around the vocal and that kind of thing with the production side of things? Um. So... I actually, I actually had a, a, a good friend, uh, Louis, he, his artist name is Pocket. Yeah. Um, he, he helped me, uh, you know, with, with a few things on the album, actually. Um, we've, we've worked together for so many years. He used to, he used to produce on the name uh, Watgood. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, he's, he's like my best friend in the entire world. And, and he, he, he helped with, you know, a few of the songs on the album. Um, and when, it, when working with him, I just feel this, like, really weird different kind of inspired that i don't really don't feel by myself um because he's he's so much more into like the uh you know the garage world i mean he's released a couple of songs under his new project which is just absolutely incredible but yeah so i think bouncing you know bouncing ideas back and forth off each other i think obviously is, is a more collaborative process yeah um but yeah and within that within that drop i guess like you were saying um charity the vocalist the only thing that she said was she wants to keep the the vocal chops in the drop there i'm guessing sensitive uh, yeah uh, she was like i that's the only thing that she wanted and she was like just do everything else with it that, that you want so cool yeah just just a, a really fucking cool collaboration between the three of us yeah just so natural and so so good yeah that's awesome man i love yeah. it yeah there's definitely an energy you get from collaboration like that you just don't get every person every producer is unique right like they're gonna bring something different to the table that's yeah. really cool man you mentioned um your album which is something that's going to be coming out later this year um what can you share with us i know you're trying to keep it under wraps but yeah what can you share with us so far about that uh so it's 10 songs yeah which is like the biggest project i've ever put out before awesome because I've only I've only ever done like EPs and, and singles, like I said before. Um, but yeah, man, it was it was just like the the whole basis for it, right? Is is you know I'm I'm fucking stuck in America, and the pandemic hits, everything gets cancelled, like we all lose our livelihoods and shit. And a part of me just wanted to go home. Yeah. Um, I had like a really like towards the start of April and stuff. I just had a really like fucking hard time, and, and mm. you know, without getting too personal, I, I had to like you know lean on my partner a lot, and she was she was great and has been great for all of this. But yeah, I, I, the whole kind of essence around it was just like missing home, right? And I was yeah. I was uh, you know considering it. I was like, fuck, what, like wh- what do I do? Um, so again back to the cheesy shit but i just i just uh i just poured it into music you know and, and yeah. a lot of the records on the album come from that that feeling that i felt when i was like 15 16 coming up in the uk and, and being yeah. around all these people and you know back back at a time where scream and banger was still on radio one yeah you yeah know, and like good times and like <laughs> and, and burial was all over the radio and oh, i love burial yeah <laughs> Fortet and and you know people like that and that's kind of you know that's that was my whole essence around the album i didn't i didn't want to like forget my roots or or move away from that and i think for my first like ever album that i'm putting out it's it was it was really important to me to you know almost pay like homage to to where i came from and where i grew up and and kind of sounds and, and feelings that that 
inspired me from you know such a young age totally i guess i mean yeah i kind of hate describing it like this because it's sometimes not as clear cut but you know you've kind of got the two worlds of bass music like the uk side of it and then the us side of it and i guess your music i would describe as the more you know definitely influenced by the us side of it but is this kind of more of a diving back into your uk roots sort of thing yeah i mean you know what's crazy is i wouldn't even like I think there's one song on the album that I would class as bass music. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, the rest is just really left feel. Like there's yeah, there's like a there's like a hip hop like rap record which is very like very Americanized. Like I'm I, I won't try and front on it, but yeah. you know there's there's no, there's no drop in it. It's just like a really cool beat and some vocals. There's like some garage stuff, obviously sensitive. There's like an old school kind of dubstep record, and then there's yeah the one the one like bass music record it's like this fucking dumb thing with like a flute in the drop (laughs) so it's none of it none of it's even like none of it's even dubstep which i'm really pumped about and i know a lot of people are like apprehensive because you know they're they're scared that that's going to change or i'm changing how my how my music is going to be in the future but no this is this is just the moment you know this is the combination of mm. of being in a fucking lockdown for a year and being so far away from home that you just want to relive it um mm. it's not me changing the whole direction of my my project totally and i guess like an lp or like a full album like it's gonna be like it's a big project that you invest a lot of time energy and emotion into right like mm-hmm. so it's gonna be very reflective of where you're at and and that yeah. may end up coming in like five different styles or however many different styles across the album right like that's i think that's fine yeah. i think with the with the absence of, of of live shows as well during the time of writing it i didn't have any reference to like even want to make a fucking a banger yeah which is really really weird like you know for you know some of the other projects i work on and work with obviously it's just like banger after banger after banger which is totally cool and i love making it but for mm. myself i i just wasn't feeling like fulfilled to even make any like real dance music like every single song on the album has vocals on it you know so it's yeah it's, yeah. it's definitely a weird headspace but i'm excited i'm very excited awesome man now i'm keen for it to come out um besides the album do you have any like other kind of projects that you know of coming up in the next zero to 12 months that you can talk about uh just a really just a few remixes uh yeah. first for for a couple of friends uh I just finished up one for uh, Must Die, cool. Um, which is more of like a on the baseline kind of front. Um, Sweet. I did one for uh, Smoke Pub and, and Wookie. It's oh, yeah. like more trap, yeah. But I don't know when when they're coming out because the whole like album thing. I just sure. Yeah, but yeah, just just a few things here and there. I'm really just trying to like really just hone in on make making like the album release experience kind of cool because a lot of people i'm just so bored of the whole like pop artwork per pre-save link all right done yeah. you know i want to i want to keep up like cool things like we shot some really cool videos over the past couple of months for the album and like just make it like fun and interesting and awesome so that's kind of that's kind of what i'm focusing on rather than just treat like i feel like if i if i put more time and effort into into treating it like an album i i feel like it would be more well received rather than just slinging it up and being like here you go yeah that's when that's when people you know forget about it and 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 don't resonate with it as much so totally to focus on that man yeah take like the whole release experience into account yeah yeah Fuck it, man why not <laughs> yeah it's, it's good i mean there's a lot of music coming out these days so you gotta gotta make the most of it while it comes out it's an exciting time man sweet as well we're we're about to wrap things up here but i've just got one last question for you and this is something i'm asking everyone who comes on the show at the moment um i guess Mm -hmm. when we as producers you know build careers or make music or whatever uh, we make a lot of mistakes uh but if you had a time machine what is the one thing that you've learned from now that you would uh go back and change or at least share with producers so that they can avoid doing the same thing Oh man! Like pr- production-wise, or like whole career-wise? Uh, could be either, man. Like whatever, whatever comes to mind first. 
I would say just in the very early days, I definitely like developed a bit of an ego. Yeah. Um, and this kind of holds true to what I was saying, you know, earlier about surrounding yourself with good people. I just, I just wouldn't have, and sorry to all the Americans out there, but I just wouldn't have been a cunt so much at the start. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> and it's great to laugh about it now, but like, like, Years and years back, I, I sometimes look at the things that I was saying or doing, and I was like, "Oh man, what the fuck is this?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think just keep my, you know, I've, at a point now, I feel like I've got my head screwed on. I'm surrounded by incredible people. I work with incredible people. But just in the start, when I first got that first bit of like recognition or the full success, I would just, I would have just done like gone around like the social situations a lot differently. Yeah. Um, maybe that's me getting old and looking back at like my teenage self in a yeah. weird way, but just, you know, know how to handle things and just understand that nothing is, is forever. You know, sure. like one person, one person that, I mean, and it, it's happened to me as well. You know, people, uh, I won't, I won't name and shame, but there's been venues who, who laughed in my face a few years ago after mm. we tried to book a show there. And, and now it's like the other way around They're They're asking me to play shows there, you know, it's yeah. just like, I don't know, man, just, I think just keep the same level of respect for everyone, whether they're uh, a top 10 artist or, or a kid on SoundCloud with 500 followers and just, yeah, yeah just be respectful and, and kind, like no matter what. That's amazing advice, man. Yeah, I really, really like that. Don't awesome. be a con. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Um, finally, where can, where can people find you online, man? At Tizoki, T-I-S-O-K-I, everywhere. Apart from TikTok, but I'm over TikTok. So, <laughs> on everything. Awesome, man. Well, Brad, it's been an honor having you on, man. Thanks so much for hanging out. And uh, yeah, chat later, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. you